Thank you for joining us here on the Bowling Green Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God, encourage our community, serve those in need, and share the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about how we do this on our website at BowlingGreenChristian.org. It is our prayer that the following message encourages you as you take your next step in faith. So we're in the middle of this series, Love Like That, and we are exploring these relationship truths uh, that we see in the life of Jesus. And the thing that I love about this series is that regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus, I think that we would all come and acknowledge that we think Jesus is probably maybe the world's foremost expert on loving others. And so if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then, then you know that, and you've experienced that, and, and you know that he's got an amazing love for you. But if you're here this morning and you've not made that decision yet, then, then I suspect that you still have this level of respect, if nothing else, for Jesus in the way that he has been remembered for caring for others, uh, for showing them love and treating them as people. And so as we go through the series what we're really trying to do is just sort of unpack what, what are some of those real practical kinds of things that we can do to show love to other people. Um, this is all coming out of Ephesians chapter 5, sort of our theme verse really for this series. Uh, it's up here we got it. It says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. And what does it mean to love like that? Well, in the weeks previous, we've talked about how love is it's, uh, graceful. Uh, we've talked about how love is approachable, how love is mindful. And I would suspect that if we were going to come up with characteristics of love and loving, that those would be words that we maybe could have come up with. Uh, this next one is kind of, it's a different word. It's not one that we maybe normally associate with love. Today, we're going to talk about how love is bold. Um, and bold can mean different things, but for our purpose, it's really going to be uh, the ability to tell the truth, to just simply tell the truth. And, you know, we might go, well, we, we get that, but, you know, you might have a problem with telling the truth, if you've ever sort of said yes to something and you didn't really mean yes, you know, we won't ask for a show of hands, but if you've ever sort of resented doing something that you volunteered for, perhaps you have a problem with telling the truth. If you've ever sort of known somebody was, you know, in a destructive place and pattern and you didn't say anything to them because you didn't want to hurt their feelings, you know, you might have a problem with telling the truth. Um, there's a lot of places where we sort of, maybe it's not that we don't, you know, maybe we're not technically like lying, but we don't really come out of our way to tell the truth. And I think that what we're going to see as we look through uh, some of these passages and as we think about our own lives, I think we're going to see that telling the truth, being bold, is actually one of the sort of the key uh, ingredients, if you will, that's required to take our relationships uh, to the next level. Um, let's look here at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul sort of describes how uh, it's required to come to a place of maturity. He says, Then will we no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there 
by every wind. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Friends, you see Paul here saying is, is this, real simple, we will not grow up and mature in our relationships until we learn to be bold truth-tellers. That's going to be super important. So as we want to, you know, sort of follow Jesus' example, I want to look at an interaction he has with a man by the name of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And it's here that we see, I think, Jesus' boldness, his truth-telling uh, on a personal, interpersonal level very, very clearly. Uh, let's, let's look here at the passage. It says, Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night, and let's just pause there for a second. So let's just uh, sort of orient ourselves to who Nicodemus is. Nicodemus uh, is a rabbi. He is a Pharisee. Um, he was probably a leader in the synagogue or a synagogue, and he was definitely a power player in the Jerusalem scene. Um, so Nicodemus is a really important guy. He's well-educated. Um, he is part of the establishment, and that is who Nicodemus is. Now, Nicodemus, the text says that he comes to Jesus at night. Now, John didn't just put that in there so that way we'd all sort of, you know, have a sense of scene and setting, you know, that we would feel more connected to the text. He's, he's including this here for a very specific reason. He wants us to know that Nicodemus isn't coming to Jesus during the day. Why is he not coming to see Jesus during the day? Because he is afraid to see Jesus during the day. He, he doesn't want to be seen with Jesus. He doesn't want people to know that he is having a relationship, you know, a, a connection, a friendship, that he's going to Jesus for teaching. He doesn't want to be associated with Jesus really in, in any way uh, because of the sort of the, the conflict that's going on here. He, he might be afraid even that it's going to damage his image. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and he says this, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Here we see that Nicodemus, as he's having this interaction with Jesus, Jesus is trying to tell him the truth about what it is Nicodemus is looking for. Nicodemus is a spiritually minded man. He wants to please God. And so he's come to Jesus because he senses that Jesus maybe has an understanding that he doesn't. And so he goes to Jesus, and Jesus tells him, listen, you know, you think it's about the law, and you think it's about these different things. I'm telling you, though, that it's actually about being changed in the interior, that it's a spiritual rebirth that has got to take place if your life is going to change. That's how you enter into the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus can't quite grasp this, which, you know, it comes as no surprise because the truth is not always apparent. You know, it's not always something that we easily grasp. Now, Jesus here is speaking about spiritual truths, and he's talking about the kingdom of God, but, but this is true in, I think, about every area. Sometimes we, you know, we overlook it. We miss it. This is why Proverbs fifteen twenty two tells us this, that plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Uh, the, the, the author of Proverbs is telling us we need each other to tell each other the truth. You know, it, it's always a shame, uh, I, I think, to see in our churches sometimes, our, our loose association of these independent churches, 
um, the, people go into ministry sometimes, and it's, it's, I don't know how to say this, but maybe it's too easy sometimes to get there. Maybe it's too easy to go into it. And, and I've seen this happen. I mean, I went to school with people like this where, where they would leave their church and they would think, man, you know, I really feel called into ministry. And, and as other people sort of maybe talked with them, interacted with them, they realized that that was maybe not going to be a good fit for them. But they don't say anything. You know, they don't tell them the truth. And they're like, you know, I, I want to go into ministry. And they're like, well, that sounds great. Why don't you go do that? Because nobody wants to be that person who's like, are you sure that that's for you? Um, but somebody needed to say that. And then they get into school and they, you know, they get invested in an education and they go and they, maybe they have, you know, an internship or, uh, you know, they work at a church for a while and, and things don't work out and they just keep meeting, you know, conflict after conflict after conflict after conflict. And sometimes it's just, you know, it's, it's a bad hand that gets dealt these folks. And I get that. But some of them also, it's, this wasn't really what they were called to. Uh, and yet nobody had the courage to tell them that. That, that maybe they could have said, you know, we know that you love God and that you've got a desire to serve him. Perhaps another venue would be a lot more, you know, helpful for you. And, you know, in some churches, there's a real lengthy discernment process where you kind of go through and you try to figure out who am I and what am I doing and, and how am I going to use my gifts. That, that's, I think, a really healthy kind of thing. But really what all that's getting to is trying to get to the truth, trying to get to the place where we would tell each other the truth. And we need to tell each other the truth. Because sometimes we're blind to the truth. Sometimes the person that we can, you know, confuse or uh, trick the most easily is ourselves. And yet, you know, we don't, you know, we, we don't open ourselves up to hearing that. And, you know, we don't open ourselves up to telling that to people. You know, I mean, it can be big, heavy things like career, vocation, or relationships. You know, how many people get married and, and you know, maybe their family's like, you know, this really isn't a good fit for you. And, you know, maybe it, it really isn't. But, you know, they don't say anything because they want to be polite. I mean, when telling truth, it could be about really, really heavy stuff like that. Or it could be about something like, you know, hey, uh, your fly's down. You know, your fly's in zip. You know, nobody wants to say that <clears throat> to anybody. Nobody wants to tell people that. Um, but you know, everybody's noticing, you know, you maybe should say something, or, you know, hey, you got, you got something in your teeth, you know, um, sometimes we let that slide, or, you know, you've got a pack of gum, and you're like, you know, you really need a, a stick of gum, you, you could really stand one of these right now, it really, it just really wouldn't hurt you to have this right now. I mean, these are things that, you know, we could stand to tell the truth on, and and have you ever had one of those moments where maybe you needed a stick of gum or maybe your flies unzipped or any of these kinds of things and you find out later, you're like, gosh, you know, how come, come nobody told me I had like spinach in my teeth since lunch? And they're like, well, you know, I noticed, but I, you know, I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to say anything. Didn't want to, didn't want to embarrass you. Well, thanks. I've been embarrassed for, you know, six hours now. And, um, you know, I didn't know that I needed to have been embarrassed until right at this point in time. Uh, wish you'd have told me the truth a little bit sooner. We all have those moments. We'd rather get a little bit of a dose of truth now and spare ourselves from this embarrassment that's going to happen for later. You know, we need each other to tell the truth. It's, it's what we're here for. But the problem is that the truth isn't always easy to hear. I mean, nobody wants to be told that. Nobody wants to hear it, but sometimes we need to hear it. I think it's much less loving to walk around and just ignore and not tell people the truth than to, um, you know, to tell them this. You know, Jesus, here he's telling Nicodemus some important truth. He's saying, Nicodemus, listen, you've got to get this. As a spiritual leader, as somebody in this community, as somebody who's seeking God, here's some truth I've got for you. 
He continues, he says, Jesus tells him, he says, truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. Nicodemus, again, he's struggling with this. And again, Jesus is talking with him about these very spiritually, you know, minded kinds of things. But this principle, it's true for for every kind of conversation that we can have in life. We need to have the truth. We need to tell the truth because it's only truth that opens us up to meaningful relationships. Truth is what a meaningful relationship is built on. If you don't have truth in your relationship, you know, there's no substance to it. There's no foundation to it. Uh, ran across this article, I think it was Huffington Post carried this one, but it was a collection of tweets of maybe, uh, what? hold on, what's the tagline? It's dating profile white lies. So they collected like a, um, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's the top or the people's favorite um, uh, tweets of dishonest dating profile statements. So um, let's, I've got, I, I selected a few that I thought were particularly good. Uh, how about this one? I don't live with my mother. She lives with me. Um, you know, there is a nuance there. There's a subtlety there that perhaps you've missed if you don't look at it just right. So we've got that one. We've got, um, I like hiking. Um, you know, okay. And next one, uh, uh this is a good one. Age 29. I mean, I was 29 at one point, you know, Okay. All right. How about how about this next one? I make lots of dough. Um, he does. You know, he really does make a lot of dough. This is very clear. This next one's maybe my favorite. I have the body of Thor. Um, it just really depends which movie. You know, which one you're really interested in. Uh, this I've heard. I've seen the T-shirt that says Father. I. Or is it, you know. Anyways, we'll move on. This last one it really is the best one. Uh, lives in a gated community. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there, there it is. There's the gate. It's very secure. It's a very secure place to live. Yes, the, the gated community right there. Uh, friends, you know, we can't live with this kind of deception in our lives. We can't live with this kind of deception in relationships. We can't live with this kind of deception in friendships. Uh, if you don't tell the truth, you don't have much of a relationship. And and, you know, here's what I've learned as I've gotten a little bit older is that I love it when people disagree. I mean, I, I really do. I like to hear the perspective. I like to hear the thought. I, I, may, I may not come around to, to their side, and, and that's okay. But now I've at least considered something a little more deeply. I'm about to take that off the stage. It's going to be special. All right, so Jesus continues with Nicodemus. He says, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. He says, you're Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and do you not understand these things? Do you hear what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus? He's saying, listen, you're the one who claims to be this spiritual expert. Now, put yourself in Nicodemus's shoes, because he's the guy who's been to scribal college, and he's the guy who has, you know, learned all these things, and he's the one who's been through training, and he's been through all this kind of stuff, and Jesus is this upstart, you know, uh, you know ordained online, you know, holy man that's just sort of burst on the scene in Jerusalem. Who are you to tell me about these spiritual truths? And yet, Nicodemus, he's got the humility and the awareness that perhaps Jesus knows really what's going on. So Jesus is going to go on, and he's going to explain what he's getting at, and that's that God is rewriting the rules. 
God is rewriting the rules, and this is something he's seen, and this is the testimony that he's given. But, but God is rewriting the rules. It's no longer about the law. It's about this love, this love that God had for the world, where he sent his son for the world, that everybody who believed in him would have eternal life. This is a game-changing moment, and it's changing everything for Nicodemus. Now, we don't really know how Nicodemus takes this conversation. And I suspect it was hard. I think it was difficult for him. But here's what we do know. That because Jesus told the truth to Nicodemus, at the end of Jesus' life, their relationship has changed. I want to read this in the message translation because I, I think Eugene Peterson does a good job of bringing out the imagery here. He says, after all this, this is after the crucifixion, after Jesus has died, Joseph of Arimathea, he was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he was intimidated by the Jews, petitioned Pilate to take the body of Jesus. And so Pilate gave permission, and Joseph came and took the body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus at night, came now in broad daylight, carrying a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. You see, this truth that Jesus gives to Nicodemus and shares with Nicodemus becomes a foundation for them to build a relationship together, one that gives Nicodemus courage to come and see Jesus during the day. So, as people who want to be truth-tellers in our relationships, let's take a look here at a few things we might be able to do to try to be more bold. The first is this, is we've got to remember the goal of telling the truth. You know, telling the truth is ultimately about helping the other person to become the best version of themselves. It's about helping our relationship have substance and things that, that we can grow on together. You know, if we didn't care about people, we wouldn't tell the truth. Think about that. You know, if you didn't care about the person, you wouldn't tell them the truth. If you didn't care what happened with their lives, you'd let them live a destructive way. If you didn't care what other people thought about them, you'd let them keep the spinach on their teeth all day long. I mean, if you care, you tell the truth. That, that's why we tell the truth. That's the goal. You know, we may not want to come off as angry, mean, nasty, unkind, whatever, and maybe even especially in our southern, you know, culture and climate with southern people. You know what I'm talking about here. We may not want to come off this way, but ultimately, isn't it more loving to be honest? You know, when we don't tell the truth, I think we often resent doing the things that, that hurt us. We resent, you know, saying yes when what we really meant was no. Um, very funny. Listen, I don't remember where this, I picked this up or heard this, but it was, um, Brene Brown was talking about how when she was a younger uh, mother, she always felt like guilty and felt like she always had to like bake things for these bake sales that schools are perpetually having and, and things. And, and so she would, you know, people would say, you know, hey, would you like to do this? Would you like to bake, you know, eight dozen cookies or whatever? And she would say, yes, I'd, I would like to do that. And, you know, she said, after I said that, I, I, I resented myself. I resented them for asking. I resented, you know, cookies in general and calories and flour. And I, I mean, I hated the whole thing. It made me angry. Um, and so I'm making all these cookies out of anger and rage and trying to keep up with everybody else. And, you know, I'd bring these in and I'd have this resentful attitude and it'd make me mad the rest of the day because I'd given all my time up to do something I didn't want to do. And she said, you know, I, I decided I was going to change the paradigm. She said, I decided that what I was going to do is choose discomfort over resentment. And so she said, I remember the first time that uh, I had this interaction with a teacher uh, she was like, you know, hey, would you, you know, be willing to bake, you know, eight, you know, eight boxes of brownies for whatever? And she said, no, I, I, I wouldn't like to do that. I'm not interested. Thank you. Um, and it was just sort of like this moment. This other lady was looking at her like, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, no, I, 
yeah, I'm not interested in that. But, you know, I appreciate you asking, and I'm sure you'll find somebody else that'd love to bake. Um, and, you know, she could tell, like, this lady just really didn't quite know how to handle it. She said, you know, it was really super awkward for those five minutes, but I didn't resent her later. You know, I didn't resent her for hours afterwards. I just, we just had a moment of awkwardness, and then after that, things were fine as far as I was concerned. And, you know, I think about that, and I think that's true. Often we choose you know, to be, you know, comfortable and then resent it later. And, you know, I'll tell you, resentment's those things, that's what sneaks up and poisons your relationships and your friendships. It's better to choose, I think, the discomfort over the resentment. And, uh, you know, that's my thought. You can think about that and come up with your own conclusion. But I think that's why we tell the truth, is it helps us to be in a healthier place with everybody. Uh, so how do we do that? Well, we, we tell the truth by first being honest with ourselves. We won't talk too much about this because last week we spent a bit of time talking about this. Last week we looked at how Jesus said, you know, you don't really need to judge people until you've first sort of examined yourself, that being curious about ourselves and our own sinfulness and the things going on in our lives, that that was really kind of step one, if we could be curious and understand that. And Jesus' words, he says, you know, don't be so concerned about this little speck in your neighbor's eye when you've got like a, a board coming out of your eye. Don't, don't go there. Um, deal with this first. So if we're going to be people that tell the truth, we've got to first be people that are at least willing to hear the truth about ourselves, be open to the truth, deal in the truth about ourselves. That's, that's sort of step one. Uh, step two is that we need to consider this issue, or any issue, from another point of view. Um, this is what helps us to not run around with what I call the shotgun of truth. I don't know if you've met anybody that keeps the shotgun of truth with them loaded both barrels cocked at all times. Um, you know, they just, they're glad to always tell you the truth, just like instantly, just let you have it full bore, you know, shot to the face of truth. Um, we've all met people like this. This is not actually at all what I'm talking about. Um, you know, we're not talking about blasting people with a shotgun of truth. I mean, it feels good sometimes. I've been there. I've done it. I've, I've used it. Uh, but I found it's much more helpful if we consider the truth from their point of view and then try to come at it in what we might say is a tactful way. Uh, that's a lot more helpful. If we can sort of consider how, you know, things are and how they look and how people approach uh, these things, you know, it, it helps a lot. If we had lots of time, we would spend looking between John chapter 3, where Jesus talks with Nicodemus about he, how he, Jesus, is the guy that's been sent from God to save the world. We call him the Messiah. And then we come to chapter 4, where Jesus has the same conversation, really, with a woman at the well. Uh, Nicodemus, he's influential. He's elite. He's this academic. He's a power broker. This Samaritan woman, she's on the fringe. She's rejected. She's outcast from society. That's who she is. And the conversation, while the content might actually end up being the same, you know, when it's all panned out, is actually very, very different. Why is it different? Because Jesus understands who he's talking to. He's run this through, this sort of filter, if you will, of who he is sharing truth with. And that's important for us to do as well. All right. And then how about this last one, is that we need to um, share from our honest feelings uh, our own perspective. Um, I want to I look at Matthew 29 here. Jesus, I, this is one of the most moving verses about Jesus' life, I think. He says this, he's had the triumphal entry, he's there, and he is looking at Jerusalem, and within earshot of, of at least the disciples, probably a crowd, he just kind of has this moment where he just sort of lets his feelings show. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. 
Do you hear that in Jesus' voice, that honesty, that, that transparency, that vulnerability? Jesus says, this is not what I wanted for you. I wanted something so much more. It breaks my heart that you reject me. It breaks my heart that you're hurting, you know, you're hurting yourself by not giving in to the love that God has for you. You see this brokenness in Jesus' life because they just don't see him for who he really is. Uh, friends, when we share the truth with others, we've got to be willing to be honest and be willing to be vulnerable and be willing to talk about these things and how they actually affect us. You know, marriage therapists do this all the time with couples. They, you know, couples get often in this habit of communicating in ways like, you know, you always do this and you make me angry and you never do that. And that rarely helps anybody communicate. And so they, they say, you know, if you could, you know, explain this in a place of vulnerability instead of saying, you make me angry, just say, you know, I, I feel angry when you forget to do this because it, it makes me feel like, you know, it makes me think that, Maybe I don't matter. You know, both of those, again, are sharing some degree of truth, but one is one that we can hear because we're sharing it with honesty and vulnerability and openness and truth. Friends, it goes a lot further. It's so good for us to tell the truth and to be honest about ourselves. Now, here's what I'd love to tell you, is that if you tell the truth all the time um, and you do it this way, that you'll always be thanked for it and people will always love you and they'll always like you and they'll just say, thank you for being such a good truth teller. That, I don't know that that's ever happened to me. Um, maybe ever. And that's okay. Um, sometimes it goes really well. Uh, sometimes it takes a minute for the, you know, friendship relationship to continue. Um, and sometimes it ends disastrously. Disa- yeah, it'll work. Um, disastrously. Um, sometimes that's how that goes down. But here's the thing. I think that we often you know, we're pleased when we go, you know what, I, I told the truth, and I, I said what I needed to say, and, and I shared that in love. That's one of those things, I think, that helps us to, to be encouraged. You know, when um, a few years ago, I took a certification class in, in administering this premarital counseling tool, and, and one of the, the indicators on there was how assertive a person was. And when I first saw that and was going through this training, I thought what it meant was that these people are pushy. You know, how pushy are these people going to be? And then I realized that, no, that an assertive person is somebody who just tells the truth. And that actually an indicator of marital happiness and success was somebody's high assertiveness, that they would actually be willing to tell the truth, that they'd be willing to say, you know, this is how this makes me feel, and this is what's going on in my thought life, and this is what I would like to do. Being able to be assertive, to tell the truth, to be bold, actually brings us greater satisfaction in our relationships, and it helps them last longer because they're built on the truth. So my prayer for us this week, and in your community groups, you'll talk a little bit more about this, is that we would be people that would tell the truth, that we tell it in love, absolutely, but that we would be people that tell the truth. Why don't you go ahead and stand, and I want to pray for us. God, it's hard to sometimes tell the truth. It, it just is. And God, there have been times when, you know, I've bent it and I've not told it and I've, I've you know, shaded around it. And God, I, I just pray for all of us who are in that boat, myself included, God, that you would forgive us. But that God, not only would you forgive us, but that you'd give us the courage to be people that tell the truth that deal in the truth, that, that are transparent and honest and authentic and real with each other. God, I believe that if we do that, that if we really embrace that, that we would be people that would see our relationships begin to thrive and grow and that our interactions with people would be deeper and more meaningful. 
And so, God, because we want to love like Jesus, we want to be people that love boldly. And so, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to do that this week. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. When you're ready to take the next step on your faith journey, visit our website at bowlinggreenchristian.org and find more information about service times and other programming for both adults and children. Thank you again and have a blessed day.